Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I am your host, Ken Seymour. This week, we have a new top 10 list for you, and it's holiday-themed. In the past, we've done other top 10 lists that were based around the holidays, like with Christmas, but I feel that New Year's sometimes gets missed just a little bit, so how about a little bit of New Year's love? This list is going to be a handful of personal favorites of mine that are centered around or have an important scene within New Year's. So it's a little different than other holiday films that can be completely centered around a, a specific holiday. Just don't get that with New Year's. So these will all have a significant impact from that particular period of time, but that's pretty much it. And I ordered them rather than significance for the holiday, just in kind of the range of what I liked. Um, so let's just kind of kick it off and, and go straight into it. Uh, let's start in 1995. We've got When You Were Sleeping. Now, if you're a rom-com fan, this is, a, this is a popular favorite from that time period. It is a Sandra Bullock film. Absolutely love Sandra Bullock and pretty much anything that she's ever in. She has a great, uh, just a great uh, charisma about her. She understands comedy. Just kind of love her to death. Directed by John Turtletop. Um this gentleman, if you're not completely familiar with him, he's done quite a few films. Uh, Phenomenon in 1996, Cool Runnings, Three Ninja. Uh, it's he's he's got some he's got some really uh, good stuff under his belt. Um, uh, in the film, other than Sandra Bullock, you got Bill Pullman, who's always fantastic. Pete Peter Gallagher is just wonderful. Uh, Peter Boyle is just just a legend. Uh, he's always good in pretty much anything. I mean, this is just a a really fun cast that all do a fantastic job. Now, uh, admittedly, it's got some kind of um, cringe-worthy content when you think about it. But you know, there's a lot of films that are like that. You create kind of ridiculous concepts or things that wouldn't actually happen, and you just take it to an extreme where it's just silly. It's uh, been done ever since the beginning of writing. So it's not out of the realm of normality to kind of enjoy this kind of ridiculous concept. But this particular film, um, you know, happens over the holidays. And in fact, when the sleeping individual wakes up, um, it is right on New Year's Eve. So it's, it's, it's an important part in this particular film. It kind of builds to the climax of the plot where uh, Sandra Bullock's Lucy character just gets swept up into being thought that she is the fiancé to this individual that she saved who was in a coma. It's just, it's just really kind of a, really a fun thing. And she has great chemistry with Bill Pullman in the film. Just a, a lot of fun to watch if you have not seen this film. Now, I guess I probably should have started with, uh, yeah, there are going to be spoilers, but considering the newest film on my list of top tens is in uh, uh, 2013, <laughs> I expect you've probably either already seen most of these uh, or won't feel too terribly spoiled for any of the ones that are coming. But this is a, just a fun film to kick around and watch. Um, let's keep it in the rom-com uh, family, and in fact, uh, another film with sleeping in the title. I'm starting to wonder if maybe that's something to do with New Year's. Everybody wants to take a nap on New Year's, but Sleepless in Seattle. Um, it's kind of uh, another rom-com film, has uh, 
the great Tom Hanks at the helm, uh, along with Meg Ryan, uh, the two of them, you know, kind of at their zenith uh, in terms of popularity. This is uh, directed by Nora Ephron. Uh, Nora Ephron is a writer and a producer and a director, uh, the, the late, great Nora Ephron. Um, if you are not completely familiar, uh, this is one of the, the, this is the second film that she directed, but uh, had a lot of other good stuff too, Mixed Nuts, and You've Got Mail was very popular when it came out, the Bewitched uh, remake that, uh, uh, that was done uh, with uh, Will Ferrell in 2005, uh, Julia Julia. I mean, you know, some really solid stuff. Um, Sleepless in Seattle has just an amazing cast. Again, when you're going to get Tom Hanks and, uh, <laughs> and Meg Ryan in it, it's generally going to have that. Um, but again, Bill Pullman, it's kind of strange. <laughs> he winds up in a lot. Um, but, you know, Take a look. It's got Rosie O'Donnell. And I'm sorry, I'm stumbling just because it's it's just kind of ridiculous. Uh, I'm starting to see a common thread through a lot of my a lot of my choices and certain actors and actresses and people behind the scenes. Uh, maybe they just kind of know how to uh, to make something that I happen to like, or maybe it's the the time that I grew up in. But the whole concept of the film is just kind of again, it's it's a romantic comedy. It's meant to kind of be almost a saccharine, sweet sort of a concept with a widower, a widower kind of pining for his his lost love and needing somebody in his life, especially with a young son. And you know, there's a, a radio show. I don't know. I know that this this current generation may not know what a radio show was, but at one time to get music, we didn't have streaming services. We had to actually listen to something that was broadcast over the airwaves. Um, but uh, so, yeah, so the, the whole concept of, uh, you know, just missing each other and sort of uh, dancing around each other for the entire film until they finally meet at the end. It's kind of a, a fun kind of sweet thing. It's not exactly a film that I would watch over and over again. But if you again, if you really like that kind of romantic comedy stuff, this is a really nice film. I mean, shoot, it's got David Hyde Pierce in it, who I, <laughs> I think is, is is one of my favorite kind of uh, actors to just kind of be in anything that I can see. I, I know it doesn't mean much of anything, but I mean, this is uh, it's it's just a fun film if you just have some time um, to to spare and to watch something and kind of smile if you like this sort of thing. Now, another kind of interesting note: Rob Reiner is in this, and we're going to be talking about him again later on the list. Um, but you know, fun film. Um, now, let's say you're not interested in romantic comedies. That's just not your cup of tea. You want something that's going to have a little meat to it. Well, I will have to say that for the most part, if you're expecting any action films in this list, I, I don't even know why you're listening to this particular broadcast because it's just ridiculous. New Year's action films doesn't really happen. But there can occasionally be some sci-fi, some comedy, um, maybe some drama. A lot of people would put... Um, the second Godfather film in their top ten on this because there's a very important scene in a New Year's um, in a New Year's party that occurs in that film. Now, I like that film, but it, it's not one of those things I would watch 
um, with as much joy as maybe other people would. It's just one of those kind of watch once. So it doesn't make my top 10. But you know what does make my top 10? Give me something funny, something just silly and good. And again, that sci-fi element, I'm going to go Ghostbusters 2 from 1989. Um, if you have seen Ghostbusters 1, you have basically seen Ghostbusters 2. They don't really change up all that much in terms of the general plot concept. Uh, dead people and strangeness, and we have backpacks that shoot lasers. It's, it's just, kind of a, just kind of a good time with some silly sci-fi uh, the director is Ivan Reitman. If you don't know who Ivan Reitman is, where have you been? I mean, this guy has produced and directed just so much stuff. Um, you know, back in back in the days, if you especially if you like Bill Murray, I mean, you've got uh, Meatballs and Stripes with Bill Murray in it. The original Ghostbusters, of course, but uh, Twins. You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito. I mean, man takes uh, Schwarzenegger again in Kindergarten Cop. I mean, this guy has a lot of uh, a lot of films that you know left uh, left an impression on people. Um, and it's just and, you know like Kindergarten Cop for me. It was just I, I love that film. It's just kind of silly and good. And that's that's kind of what I expect to a certain extent from an Ivan Reitman film. I want silly and not too deep to it. And that's kind of what this was. It's just great. I mean, you get all of the people that were in the original Ghostbusters, basically. Uh, the original gang with Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd and Sigourney Weaver and Harold Ramis uh, and uh, Rick Moranis. And, you know, just basically these legends of, of comedy. And it's just, I mean, Annie Potts is just fantastic. I, it's, it's kind of a silly thing to say, but, you know, you know, you have the in the comedy a lot of times you have the straight man, you got the people that play off of that. But it's sometimes these the these other supporting actors and actresses that really bring out the humor and other things and can have their own shining spots. Her voice in in her role that she does for this, this very, very strong accent. It's just adorable and so much fun. Uh, Peter McNichol um, just I love him as an actor. He's he's always fun in in everything and and to this day there's just a, a single phrase I will say for no particular reason and my wife stares at me strangely when I do so and it, it is Hugo. <laughs> it just it doesn't doesn't really or not I said Hugo I meant Vigo. It's Vigo. Uh he just uh the accent that he uses in this particular film and when he's talking about the the painting and the individual in the painting just makes me laugh every single time and it just kind of sticks with me. Um, yeah, I mean, this is just a, a fun film. And, you know, it's like, well, what does it have to do with New Year's? When they defeat this, this basically the, the, the big bad guy that's animating, uh, I believe it's the, the Statue of Liberty... <laughs> It's <laughs> just this this ooze that that reacts to negative emotions that's in New York. You know, there's so much negative emotions, and you beat it by what? Singing "Old Lang Syne," getting everybody in New York to sing together to f feel good feelings and defeat the evil. <laughs> it's just it's just silly and fun, um, and I guess that's kind of in a way what I'm looking for 
in kind of a New Year's reaction. I want, you know, it's the whole the whole idea is like a time of renewal. So keep it light in that sense is usually kind of what I'm I'm looking for. And they they definitely do it in this film, even though it's technically not a New Year's film, but you know, whatever. Um, how about for our um, number seven pick, we go with something that actually is a little more tied to um, the holidays. And it's even in the title, uh, 1942, Holiday Inn. Now, this may be before the time of a lot of people, and I'm, I'm usually not big on a lot of Christmas films or a lot of holiday films in general, but this film is just just unbelievably good. And it's based off of a, a, a musical, if I, if I remember correctly. Uh, but the director... Mark Sandrich, I mean, just did tons and tons and tons from that period of time. If you saw, if you're familiar with 30s and 40s films, um, just had tons and tons of stuff, like I said. And most of it's of a a comparable feel and texture to it. But this film uh, takes place over, you know, Christmas and New Year's, and it's got... Bing Crosby and Fred Astaire and Marjorie Reynolds and Virginia Dale. I mean, just just actor after actor, actress after actress that are just not only just uh, these great presences, but the, these these classic dancers. I'm I'm not normally a dancing movie kind of a person, but it is it is infectious. When you watch this film, it is just, it's a very, it feels like it's taking place over a very long, because it is taking place over a very long period of time, but it, it feels like it has enough meat of substance in terms of story and, and character growth and development in it that it just kind of carries it. It If you're not a person that watches a lot of black and white film, I don't even think it will necessarily bother you. It's, it's that kind of good. And a lot of people kind of um, associate this with Christmas because of the White Christmas uh, uh, song in it. But it does have an important New Year's part uh, to it. So it's just there's this uh, there's this bit where one of the characters um, uh, becomes slightly inebriated because of unfortunate uh, love consequences, let's say, uh, and just stumbles into the Holiday Inn, which is the name of the place. Um, and there's this just fantastic dancing number between uh, uh, him and uh, Marjorie Reynolds that is supposedly being done well while he's drunk. And it's just so much fun. Uh, if you want something that's, again, just light and just can make you smile, Holiday Inn is that film. It's it's just great. Um yeah, I mean, there's not not too much to it. <laughs> Nothing else to say about it, as it were. Um, but let's let's get a little closer to modern day. I mean, it's not a lot closer, but we're going to go a little closer with our number six uh, pick on this. I'm going to go with uh, Ocean's Eleven in 1960. Now, uh, a lot a lot of people are going to be more familiar with the um, the reboot, as it were, with uh, George Clooney. Uh, that happened much later. And I love, I absolutely love the Ocean's Eleven with George Clooney and Brad Pitt. Uh, I've talked about that on numerous occasions, that whole series I really enjoy. But this 
this is the original. Uh, Lewis Milestone is the director of this film. Uh, if you're not familiar with him, again, because you know, he, he is an older director, if you're not really into films, but if you've ever heard of the film All Quiet on the Western Front or Mutiny on the Bounty in 1962, um, just just tons and tons of stuff that that he directed anywhere between 1918 and 1964. Now, Ocean's Eleven is one of the next to last things that he uh, he directed it's the next last film that he's credited with but uh this this particular film which has the original rat pack in it which if you're just kind of a pop culture uh nerd is, is super super important uh to know who that is who they were in music who they were in um just in society at the time and the kind of influence that they had um they're, they are front and center in this film. And if you've seen the more recent version, it's a little different. I mean, the, because you're, you're pulling on a different history. So rather than just, you know, kind of a group of people that they recruit out of random, these are people that uh, went through World War II and um, the Danny Ocean character, which is played by Frank Sinatra, just brings all of his old war buddies for the same concept, uh, robbing multiple um casinos simultaneously and it has some some similarities to it in in how the how they achieve their ends but obviously because it was made you know 40 50 years before the more recent one uh certain technological differences uh make a make it a, a very different film and the heist happens on new year's so um, the whole thing happens over that particular holiday and the way everything ends up is, is drastically different. But just seeing Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin and Sammy Davis, and it's, it's got Cesar Romero in it, man. It's the, the Joker from the old Batman and Robin television show, or the old Batman television show. Um, this whole, I mean, this is kind of a who's who of just actors and actresses of of the time that were that were kind of the the cream of the crop and or at least very very popular um and it's so it's just got style i mean it's a really interesting thing to watch if you've never seen it if you want to understand the the times the style of the times this is a great film to watch to kind of get that get that older las vegas feel um and that, that brings us halfway through our list of films. And it's important to take just a moment to think about, uh, think about something that's really important on these types of lists, and that is advertisement. We don't really have any advertisement, but what we do have is a small segment where we're going to talk to you about our social media and how to keep track of what the pudding guys are doing at any given time. Take it away. Hey there, Pudding People. Don't forget to check us out on our social media accounts so you can keep apprised of everything that we do any time of the day. Richard, you're most on Instagram, right? On the Gram Gram, yes. And what are we best known on Instagram as? Pudding Guys. Easy enough. In fact, that's also what we're known as on Facebook. Now, I'd say we're on Instagram just a little more than we are on Facebook. You might get the occasional update there. We are most active on Twitter, where we are at 
Real Pudding Guys. Uh, we will give you updates about the next episode that's going to be coming at the end of the week when it's released. Any other little updates to the Ultimate Comic Movie Database or the Pop Culture Death Counts will also be there. Um, now, our most exciting changes are going to be coming up soon. We're going to have a new website called Fate, the Film and Television Engine. We're getting close to doing the beta for that. We're still working on the alpha side. We'll be doing a little closed beta and inviting a handful of people into this. I tell you what, it's going to be really, really cool when it releases. Now, you'll be able to also hear about that on our Patreon page. What are we on Patreon, Richard? Pudding guys. Pretty easy. Now, right now, it's very easy to support us. How much does it cost, Richard? It's one dollar per month per month not per day per month <laughs> yes twelve dollars for a year yeah uh, that's really not much to help support us as we release new content as we get better equipment to release the content into and when the fate engine comes out it will have its own cost and we're going to make it very affordable for everyone to be involved with this and it's going to be so cool i can't wait for you all to hear about it informative as always <laughs> eventually i'm sure we'll have some sort of a commercial thing in there but we try and keep it pretty light we just love you guys to to interact with us to see what's going on we always love to hear whatever you have to say leave us some messages on twitter or on instagram or even on the facebook um, you will probably not see us on certain other social media as uh, tiktok is for people that tend to have coordination and that is not me uh, <laughs> But let's move on to number five. Number five on our list of top ten films associated with New Year's. We're going to go to 1990 and a little bit of share. We're going to go with Mermaids. Um, now, Mermaids is a little more of a quirky film. Not exactly a rom-com, sort of a drama. Um, uh, this is based on a novel by Patty Dan. Uh, Richard Benjamin directed this. Uh, now, if you're not familiar with who Richard Benjamin is, uh, The Money Pit, if uh, you ever saw that, another Tom Hanks film. <laughs> um, but uh, Made in America, Milk Money was very popular when it came out. It's, uh, this individual's done some, some fairly uh, recognizable work. Uh, but this particular film is just kind of an interesting concept. Uh, wherein the the mother of the uh, family that is front and center of the plot moves from city to city whenever uh, whenever a um, uh, romantic uh, tryst or uh, relationship goes poorly, <laughs> ends badly. She'll just up and move the entire uh, clan to a, a different city. The clan is her and her daughters. Uh, this has a very young... Uh, Christina Ricci in it. Uh, Winona Ryder, a young Winona Ryder is in this. Um, so between the three of them, just some really strong um, acting big hitters for me. Uh, Bob Hoskins, who is just just wonderful. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with who Bob Hoskins is, shame on you. <laughs> but Bob Hoskins is just, he was the man. Uh it's hard not to just absolutely love him. I mean, even his bad films like Mario Brothers are good 
in in the sense that they have him in it. But <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I I love I love that dude. Um, but in addition to that, you've got uh, just a really strong supporting cast of actors and actresses in it. It's like I said, it's quirky, it's fun, it has a really um, gut-wrenching moments. This is a New Year's film mainly because there is a, a near-death experience that one of the daughters uh, has happened to her on. Uh, I believe it's on New Year's uh, Day. It's either New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. I don't remember quite which now. It's been a little while since I've seen it. But um, it's just uh, it's it's some really solid performances. Um and it kind of and it kind of rotates between the, those light bits and some really solid drama. Um, you know, it's it's a fun thing to to just kind of enjoy uh, every once in a while. Um, definitely worth a watch if you have not seen it. Uh, number four, we're going to go back into something a little bit lighter. Um, I'm a big fan of comedy. I have talked about. Uh, a lot of films. You know what? No, I, I take that back. I'm going to go. You know, I said there wasn't going to be an action. I'm going to put an action film instead in at number at number four. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's go with an action film at number four instead. Let's go Snowpiercer. Um, I wasn't sure. You know, number three and number four. I it could have gone kind of either way in some respects for me, but I'm going to put Snowpiercer number four, uh, based on a comic book graphic novel. Um, I've talked about this before too, uh, directed by Bong Joon-ho. Uh, it was, um, released in the United States, but not filmed in the United States. Uh, Chris Evans, uh, stars as the lead in this, but it's got just a ridiculous cast, uh, between Ed Harris and John Hurt and Tilda Swinton. I mean, just, it's, it's just great. Everybody does just a fantastic job in this film, um, if you like something that's kind of post-apocalyptic dark drama, that's that's the whole concept. You know, uh, humanity, all that's left of it's on a train that never stops moving. Uh, this film takes place, uh, or the story takes place, over New Year's. Um, and it's just the, the characters beginning to understand the actual situation that they are in because not everybody has all of the information about what's going on. So it's that slow reveal. Um, now, if you aren't familiar with Bong Joon-ho, one of the more uh, current uh, pieces of work that just people absolutely love that he uh, is involved with is Parasite. Um, but, I mean, so if you kind of like that, you'll probably like this. It's not not the same, but it has certain, again, textural similarities. You get that a lot with directors. There's certain things that you'll see that just kind of Guess like, oh, I see what they did there. Same kind of feel in certain other ways. Um, but this has got some really nice action sequences. The costuming is fantastic. Um, the the whole environment, uh, just just really, really solid. So you, you can't really think about the science or, <laughs> or certain aspects of the plot too deeply because as soon as you do, it's like, oh, I see some problems here. But if you can just, if you can let go and just enjoy what it is, really, really solid. Um, yeah, we'll, well, we'll leave that one at number four. Number three. Um, that's when we're going to go back into the, to the comedic side of things because I just realized I would watch this film 
much more often and have watched it much more often than Snowpiercer. Um, we're going to go with Trading Places from 1983. Uh, the fantastic John Landis uh, directing. If you're not familiar with who that is, again, what's you, you're missing? You're missing some stuff, man. Uh, Animal House and Blues Brothers and American Werewolf in London and, and Spies Like Us. I mean, just Beverly Hills Cop Three, Three Amigos. He I mean, just guys done some just phenomenal work as a director over the years in terms of comedy, and it's just so much fun. Now, he's uh, even co-directed some stuff that isn't exactly just comedy either. I mean, if you're a Marvel fan. He co-directed one of the episodes of What If, uh, so I mean it's just kind of it's kind of fun to to kind of get that uh, to see his work, you know, whatever it is. Now, if you're not familiar with this film, it is a little bit older. I mean, it's hard to believe it that at this point it's like a 40 year old film, but I mean with uh, Dan Aykroyd and um, Eddie Murphy and Denholm Elliott and Don Amici, and it's just these. This cast is so ridiculous now. These 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 actors are just, you know, awesome. I mean, there's so many good actors and actresses in this. I, I love them. Um, I mean, even a young Giancarlo Esposito is in this film. So I mean, if you're thinking you know, Breaking Bad, uh, uh, the uh, <laughs> The, the main villain by the end of the the end of uh, season four was it I'm trying to think uh, or if you're uh, yeah it's just I, I I don't even have words every time I think about this film the whole concept is just funny and you know certain aspects of the film maybe don't age so well because of when it was made and there's you know I, there are definitely some things that kind of make you wince just a little bit when you look at it through <laughs> modern day glasses. But just the core the core comedy of it was really well done and, and Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy play so well off of each other. And I mean I mean seriously, um, I will watch this film over and over and over and over again just because of um, just because basically it's it has oh, it has a warmth is not it has a warm place in my heart. There's a, the film itself is just funny, but I grew up with this film, and it's just kind of this was one of the first instances where I watched something, and I go, wow, this is this is what is possible when you can put a really fantastic film together. And plus, I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, anything. For me, that she touches generally uh, is gold, especially from this time period. Anything from the uh, anything from the eighties, uh, it's just you know, Jamie Lee Curtis is gold in that. Um, if you have never seen this film, just immediately run out and watch this before the new year. Uh, well, I guess now that I think about it, this uh, episode is going to come out too late for that. Go watch it anyway. <laughs> it's it's really excellent. Um, we're up to the uh, next to last entries. Um, this was going to be a short and sweet list anyway, especially since it's just me giving the top 10 rather than myself and my compatriot. But um, let's uh, let's finish it out strong with the top two. Now, um, 
I think a lot of people would consider my number two pick maybe, in a lot of people's minds, the number one pick associated with New Year's. Um, and that would be When Harry Met Sally. Uh, 1989, another kind of romantic comedy. Again, you're going to get that with the New Year's stuff. Um, but this film is just, it has pretty much everything. And yeah, it's a romantic comedy, but the writing is just so sharp in it that it it ages really well for the most part. And there's some great character development uh, directed by Rob Reiner. I said we'd be coming back to that particular name again, uh, Mr. Mr. Meathead himself. <laughs> but uh, if you don't know Rob Reiner, man, I mean, this is Spinal Tap. If you've never seen that, as just classic. Uh, Princess Bride, A Few Good Men. Uh, it's just this this guy is one of my favorite directors. Um, so it's, yeah, just pretty much anything he's touched for the most part has been gold for me. And then when you bring in you know, a film like this with Billy Crystal at his, again, at his uh, best in this particular film and Meg Ryan, I mean, if you get a rom-com, there's a good chance Meg Ryan's going to be in it <laughs> in the 80s or 90s. But uh, she was just really, really good in this film. They had great chemistry. You got to have Carrie Fisher in it, which when I was younger I thought was great. It's like, wow, Princess Leia's in a comedy. Um, but she she had a great part in this particular film. Um, the thing that got me is I like films and um, books that examine relationships and instances over a longer period of time. And when Harry Met Sally has that in a way, again, in, that I hadn't seen a lot at the time, because this is, this is one, of those, um, one of those stories where you're seeing segments of how they interact at different points in their lives. And I just thought that was, oh, that's really, that's really cool. And I've seen other things do it since, and I've seen other things do it since that I think did it better. But this is one of the first that I really saw do that in a film. And I just, and it did it so well. I just really, really enjoyed that and seeing how they changed as people and how that caused their dynamic of how they interacted together become different. It was just really, really fun to watch. Um, and that will take us to our number one choice. Now, a lot of people will probably uh, look at me funny for having this as number one on the New Year's list. But like I said, this isn't about uh, necessarily how close it relates to the holiday itself, uh, but just how much I like the film in comparison to the other films. And it happens to have a scene that's pretty strongly related to New Year's 1994, Forrest Gump. Um, again, this is another film that I've talked about multiple times um, just because, I mean, it's, it's not a perfect film by any stretch. It has some issues in a lot of ways, but it's just impossible for me to not like. Um, and it's Robert Zemeckis. If you're not familiar with Robert Zemeckis, another director who I just happen to really love. I mean, he did Romancing the Stone, which is one of my favorite films from my youth. And you look at the Back to the Future stuff. I mean, it's, he has just a handful of films that are just etched into my mind. And then you bring back again Tom Hanks, who is just 
again, another actor that's like you can put him in an empty room acting with just an inanimate object and it would be great. Oh, wait, they did that. And it was also directed by Robert Zemeckis. <laughs> so <laughs> Castaway, for those of you that are not familiar with what I'm referring. But, I mean, again, this just another ridiculous cast of people in this film. I mean, Sally Field as his mom is just is just fantastic. And Robin Wright is a treasure in everything. Um, I mean, just all around, everybody does so well. Um, but specifically, this gets to hit the list because there is a scene uh, once uh, Forrest Gump has been out of the military for a little while where he runs into his friend, Lieutenant Dan, uh, during the holiday season where there's going to be New Year's and Lieutenant Dan is having a very hard time and just it's it's been put into meme form in multiple instances just that that sense of misery on New Year's while he's sitting there in the bar and just the confetti in his hair and on the face and on the bar and trying to deal with where he is as a person and his place in the world just strong and it sticks with me even if um, uh, even if I see this a hundred times, I think I won't really get tired of it. Unless I maybe watch it back to back a hundred times. Maybe, maybe that would make me tired of it. But there's just so much emotional resonance in this film that I just I really like. Um, and this is something that's kind of one of those films that a lot of people have watched and know extremely well. It's kind of like a a pop culture touchstone um, so everybody can relate to it in their, their own personal way whether they uh, like the film or dislike the film but there's no denying the very strong tie to the the new year's uh new year's eve and new year's day holiday um yeah and that's all i got to say about that what do you think dear listeners did i hit any of your top 10 for films that are based in and or around the New Year's holiday? Did I miss something really big that should have been on the list? Uh, maybe a Bridget Jones's Diary, which I didn't include because I haven't seen that one yet. <laughs> but I have a feeling it's on a lot of people's top 10 New Year's films. Uh, but uh, but le let us know. Like I said, we are on social media all the time. We would absolutely love to hear some of your favorite picks for New Year's films. But until next time, uh, keep watching films and, uh, and keep enjoying yourself. Make 2022 a fantastic year for yourself and the people around you. And we will be back. 